0: This is, I got to admit, this room, very nice. Very nice. I uh,
1: it needs decorations.
0: It needs some decorations. Are we going to be putting the, the heads in here?
2: No.
0: Okay.
1: No. They're going to be upstairs. They're going to be upstairs. Good. The I think in here they'd be too, like, right in your face. It's a little They're on brand. They're too close yeah. to touching range. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. No, we'll put some artwork and some stuff in here. There's going to be a TV up there. Somebody wants to broadcast to a TV or, you know, that sort of a thing. So... Yeah.
0: But yeah, I like this. I like this a lot.
1: Well, theoretically, too, long term, right? We get those cameras in. We can have the TV showing what we're showing out to the world. And my thought was, is if we have to come up with a way where we're live streaming this and people are making comments, we can all read the comments on the TV.
0: We're going to have to get a younger person on the podcast, though, because I think both you and I would be like, what did they say? Can you make <laughs> it's the text okay, bigger? okay. I can be here. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Granted, I don't know
0: how much longer my eyeballs are going to last. Oh. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Just body failing all the time. It's yes. fantastic. And on that note, hello <laughs> and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois and beyond. Uh, I'm John. This is Ryan. And Jamie. And we are workers at uh, your friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. I didn't sound very
1: happy with that. Hi, hey,
0: I'm you, Jamie. Hey. Jamie is, Okay, so as you guys know, we always have conversations before we start the podcast. I normally give you guys, like, no warning. I just try and start, like, a topic, and then yeah. I push record, and then when I feel like it's the right time, I go. We had a very serious conversation before we had this. I totally understand why you're, like, in the weeds right now of a Wikipedia article.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yesterday... We were at the Illinois Games Con. We were. And I was standing in a booth talking to another vendor while mm-hmm. we were out there. And somebody turned and goes, you must be Jamie. And I was like, yeah, I recognize your voice. I listen to your podcast.
2: Oh, nice. And I was
1: so completely thrown off guard. Like, <laughs> wow, you actually listen to our podcast? You're like one of the 29 people.
0: We we are doing much better. We are now in the 50s as far as like the first week listeners. Okay. So, okay. we're doing better. Um
2: That's way better. I think the last time I was on that we we talked about it, it was like 17.
0: Yes. My my <laughs> aim is that we are going to always have more listeners than we have episodes. Like that is my goal. And we're we're getting kind of close to that point where I'm going to need to make some sort of boost. But now, good news, we're in a new room, a more stable location. And we're in the new building. We're
1: in the new building. Which will
2: hopefully also be a more stable location.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, please. 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 Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Wow. Speaking of. And Jamie's neurosis goes crazy. (laughs) 10. 26 a.m.
0: In uh, in the Discord, many people were saying, hey, we're some other voices. Because John and Jamie are awesome, but we need more. And so that is why we were likely enough to get Ryan to join us today. Ooh. And already bringing some heat in like the pre-talk that we are going to get into a little bit later. But before we get to that point, Jamie, you've already kind of hinted at it, but uh, what's been happening at the store
1: last week? A lot. <laughs> We've been, let's see, what are we, 10 days in here? 12 days? How? When did we open up in here? La- the 12th.
2: The Friday before last, so it would have been... Right? No.
1: We yeah, our First day in here was the twelfth. How many yes. days is that? I don't know. What Thirteen, because it's the
0: twenty. Okay. It's the twenty-fifth today.
1: This is intriguing content. So, <laughs> math. What, watch three the people. whole reason why we had to <laughs> move <laughs> the weekend we moved was because we knew the end of June had so much stuff happening. Yes. That was why it was this frantic scramble of we've got to go now, or we can't move because until July, and then. I think we've talked about it before that our old location has been rented, so
2: we need they to wanted go. to
1: be yeah. they wanted to be open at the new location on July 1st. Now, and Bobby has been our landlord for 14 years. He's been amazing. Shout I out no to Bobby. Complaint. Yeah, uh, RJV Properties here in Bloomington, Illinois. I have zero complaints. Everything that we've needed. I, I think we've been fairly low um, maintenance maintenance customers for them. But everything we've needed, he's had somebody on site. We had a couple of little water drips. He took care of it. We had the, the infamous water coming out of the ceiling, hitting the ceiling fan and being thrown everywhere when the, uh, the hot water heater, the apartment above us broke. He was there. Bobby, actually Bobby was out of town. His dad was there with us <laughs> that night trying to help us get it all cleaned up and contained. And his dad stayed with us till like four in the morning as we were trying to clean that night. Bobby's been great. So when he said, they really want to move in on July 1st. I wanted to try to help him out for being fabulous because I've read so many stories about these terrible experiences people have with landlords. And Bobby's right. been great. So, so we had to move. But then as soon as we got moved, Lord of the Rings pre-release weekend for Magic the Gathering.
0: One of the articles we'll be talking about today because we can't stop talking about it.
1: So, that, And that weekend was super crazy. And then uh, we opened the doors for the Farmer's Market, and that was just like letting the entire world into the store at the same time. And and that was nutso. Um, then we had uh, this last weekend was both the Illinois Games Con, which we had signed up for a booth at, before we realized that Free RPG Day was going to get bumped to the same weekend Surprise. because of Lord of the Rings. So... John, you were with me and Jessica out at Illinois Games Con while everybody else was here at the store trying to keep up with Free RPG Day. Except for me. Except Ryan got a day off. To run. <laughs> well, Smart. That's because Smart. you got to run today. The our first Pokemon League Cup. Hey. Decision. <laughs> well, we you we decided you needed a day off after the craziness that was Friday. So you're here to run things today. So that's good for us that that Ryan's going to anchor the, the day out. But there was just it was just so much stuff. There was a lot of things going on. And then on. a Friday was the final day of get everything out of the building, right? Yeah. We moved all the games here, we moved everything we needed to operate in this new location, and we've been doing that pretty well, but there was still a lot of stuff next door. And now we're down to the hey, we want to paint on Monday. Can you get all of your crap out of the way? <laughs> and we've been in there for 14 years. There was stuff in every nook and cranny and every crevice and weird random behind doors. I open the door, I'm like, what is all
2: this stuff behind the door? There was because a whole stack of
1: Pokemon tins behind a door.
2: Yeah. We're raccoons.
1: Oh. <laughs> we don't
2: throw anything away. I see what you saying. We just find a new place for it. We just like, oh Kelly might might want these later. I'll put them over here.
0: We wash all of our games in the river before we put them out. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: We're certified
2: against. clean gear <laughs> raccoon. <laughs>
1: We threw away, I had a, a whole group of high school kids and some a couple of adults who were helping us as well. Nine 55 gallon bags of stuff. I was going through like, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. Everything else got scooped in the boxes. Like take it next door, we'll make a decision later. So at some point in the next few weeks, we're gonna have to go through all the boxes and it's either gonna be throw it away, sell it or keep it, and move it into the new store. So we're going to play, it's kind of like, uh, would you rather, with the uh, <laughs> with the stuff of, uh, that we uh, emptied over there. Are you
0: just going to have all the staff members, and we're all going to have paddles, and we'll just like raise up whichever answer we think we should go?
2: Oh, that would be hilarious. We don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, we don't
1: have the time, and I don't know that I want to uncover that many secrets with everybody at oh, the same time. Secrets.
0: Secret, secrets. Now, Jamie... You're you're the store owner. Yeah. You've got you've got a bird's eye view over all of this, and I I appreciate that view all the time. It's one of the reasons we started this podcast. It's but just
2: because he's so tall, It is. It is so tall.
0: <laughs> like it's it's amazing to watch him at the convention because I was at the gaming convention.
1: I always knew where Jamie was.
0: Never a question. If he was in the room, I know where Jamie is, and it's fantastic. You can uh,
1: see me everywhere at each booth I wander to.
0: He is. He you are a beacon. Um, but Ryan. You and I are actually more a bit on the, uh, the ground floor. Yes. We, we literally uh, are working the floor, um, it, you in a much larger capacity than I do. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> what has been your favorite reactions to people walking into the new store so far?
2: Uh, my, my personal favorite, and we caught some of it on camera, was when we opened the doors Friday night and just the stream of people came in. It was fun because I got to leave. Um, <laughs> But seeing everybody just walk in and be, like, stunned, like, jaw drop, like, what the heck?
0: <laughs> I know. And it's not even done yet. Like, that's, like, we were just talking about a little bit in the intro. Like, we still have the, the heads to put up. Uh, we still have some more decorations to go up, some of your art that you've got uh, nicely framed. But yet, still, it you walk in, there's enough product, there's enough personality. It feels like a game store. And it feels great.
2: Everybody really enjoys that they don't have to get really close to other people to get by them. <laughs> yes,
0: I have heard that as well. Um, the butt brush. The butt brush. Yep.
1: We talked about the butt brush last time on the podcast. And that, not that only that, sense. but
0: also behind the counter as well. Like Grant had to show me. He pulled me over on one of the first days, and like, look, you and I can stand side by side behind the counter, and we don't have to touch. It's like this is a benefit. I do see the the joy in this. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, we we can be a little less physically close with everybody.
0: And there's not a stairway in the middle of the work floor that we always have to navigate around. It's fantastic.
2: You know, I thought that um, we would no longer have the problem where a small child would go rushing to the stairs. <laughs> that's, that's incorrect, actually. They will still do it.
1: <laughs> it's, not, it's not the same, though. Because before it was like a small child could come in ahead of their parents and just run straight forward and go right down. That is
2: true. The child
1: now has to make some several turns and make more of a conscious effort. <laughs> and if the parents don't have the child under control as the child has to run that far and make that many turns, at a certain point, it's not our responsibility anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like a raccoon, we wash our hands clean of this issue. Um, we,
2: we have developed a system that should theoretically create more time for the parent to to catch but
0: if not it's the Zeta coffee people they're our last line of defense. they have the open side there they can jump out grab the child
2: joel you got this
1: <laughs> i think they're gonna be too busy serving ice cream i know no it has been insane it's this hot mm-hmm. they sold so much ice cream yesterday i mean it was 94 outside and then we john and i were at the the games con and it slowly got hotter a couple of degrees body every heat. hour.
0: Everyone's body heat was there. Was there was like there had been 3,000,
1: 3,500
0: people there. It was huge. I was very impressed on the size and scope. Um, I, I thought we could talk about this a little bit later. But yeah, GamesCon was fantastic. Um, we got to see a lot of people. I wouldn't say that they were necessarily looking for board games while they were there at the games convention. But a lot of people stopped by. A lot of people interested in Gundam. Uh, we got a few kids with Pokemon. I didn't sell a Mimic Plush, even though I feel like every five minutes someone came by and said, ooh, a Mimic Plush, and looked at it. They're just like, oh, if I had only gotten here sooner, I've spent all my money. It's like, yeah, okay, okay. Did,
2: did you tell them that its eyes glow in the dark?
0: No. I could only tell them or about the was tongue. It there,
2: it's either the eyes or the tongue.
0: The tongue wouldn't make sense.
2: Or actually, the eyes or the teeth, sorry. The, yeah, teeth, the teeth would word. make
0: more sense. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know that. It glows be... in the dark. Tell me you found yes. this out one night when you like were turning out the lights to the shop and all of a sudden just teeth were staring at you in the dark.
2: Yes. Nice. Love it. Um, plus his, like, the the goo on the sides is stretchy so he can.
1: I knew that part. But... Yeah, so at, at the GamesCon, it just kept getting hotter and hotter. Yeah. At, people kept packing in there. And it's a metal barn, basically, at the Interstate Center, like a Morton building, right? Mm-hmm. And they had these two massive air conditioners, which were All the way on the other side of the room from where we were, one of the reasons I spent so much time at Mythica Gaming's booth is because they were right under one of the air conditioners, and it was like blowing right down into their booth, and they were like a little chilly. And I'm like, you guys suck so (laughs) bad. It's so hot.
2: The
0: the non-local board game store that was there got underneath the AC. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying. I'm
1: I'm gonna talk to Ryan. Okay, good. I'm gonna talk to Ryan. We're gonna have a conversation about location for next year. <laughs> I wanna be under the AC. But then I came back down here to check the store for free RPG Day. Apparently and I stepped it was in the front de- I stepped in the front door and was like it's so nice. <laughs> the AC here works so well. It's so nice.
2: It was really? only a little toasty in the the basement, apparently. We need to get more fans. I still have
1: to I still have to tweak the HVAC settings because it was oh. set to eighty five. What oh. the HVAC wasn't even running. It got oh. to seventy-four down here just from body heat, and I was like, "Well, just turn the AC down." So I got to tweak the automated settings on the the thermostat to get it so that
2: that it cools makes it sense. At the proper
1: times. So. Oh, the
0: surface of the sun mode was on. We just flipped that. Off. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine.
2: No, that's it's it's Dad said not to touch the thermostat. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie said not to touch
0: the thermostat.
2: Which was in fact the case at the old building. Just in case everybody was aware. Yeah, there's multiple
0: thermostats around here now. You're there's have four different open.
1: HVACs, two downstairs and two upstairs.
0: And we feel it. It feels so nice. Well, in this room at right the now. other
1: building though, right? So one time I come in and I'm like, it is so hot in here, and it was because Ryan got cold, so she turned off the the AC. And then another day I come in and I'm like, it is freezing in here, and I go in the back and it's set to 62 degrees. Like, that was not me. <laughs> How much electricity did we just spend to chill this place to 62 degrees overnight? That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> Jamie was really happy about that. Yes. You, you can tell See,
2: it yeah, I, just, I just ruined the, the temperature for everybody else while I'm a lizard. <laughs> yes. You're, I don't I, spend the money, though.
0: I have seen you put on the hoodies when it is absolutely not necessary for normal human beings, and I respect that. You Ryan know your needs. Yes. Though... I feel like it's it's so hard in this weather to plan appropriately to work at the store sometimes cuz just you never quite know what that temperature is going to be bringing into you and
2: plus you just said the new HVAC is very nice. It really is. It means that occasionally if I'm not running up and down the stairs, I'm a little bit chilly.
0: <laughs> Even in the private room like we have an uh, our own thermostat so we can make it comfortable in here.
1: 68 in here. Are you freezing?
2: No, I'm actually pretty nice.
1: because mm. you were running around doing the restock earlier.
0: Yeah, give it another 30 minutes of this episode and then Ryan's gonna be like, uh, can we do something different? Well, no, we're gonna we're gonna rejected. tweak oh, the, she can't prepare of course she can't
1: prepare. What am I saying? <laughs> we're gonna tweak the the HVAC here in the basement too because the one unit is only for the two private rooms and the storeroom. And during the Lord of the Ring pre-release, I went into the storeroom to grab something and it was an ice box back there. So I opened that door and propped it open and set up a fan to blow all that cold air out in the main room. So they're going to look at routing part of the HVAC from this, the second basement unit into the same ducting as the main units to, to share the load across the whole basement
0: as oh, well. That makes a lot of sense. That does make sense.
1: Tweak the building until we get it where we want it to be.
0: Oh, yeah. no. And that actually leads us into a great segue. We're, we're just going to, we've had such a great conversation. We're going to skip over what's been on our tables lately. I, I, have you played anything significant, Ryan?
2: Uh, Diablo 4. Okay, well, we get to that now. That's, a, <laughs>
0: that's somewhat of a new segment that we have, and we can talk about that later. However, let's talk about some news. And as you were saying, the pre-release finally came out for Lord of the Rings. Ryan, you were working the day of the pre-release, if I remember correctly, right?
2: Yes. How was it? Um... It was not as bad as I thought. Okay. So, for the most part, a lot of people had pre-signed in, and like aside from that, stereotypical like, we have a little bit of a, a hiccup at sign in, like usual. But mm-hmm. that's why we start signing people in, you know, an hour ahead of time. Um, so that went more or less okay, and then we gave out all of our f- uh, free promos. Uh, we have a couple left over, so I've been giving them away with people who buy boxes or or commander decks. Um, that way we can keep our name and everybody's, everybody's table. Um, so for the most part, it went very well. It was just a little bit chaotic because, um, even people who weren't there for the pre-release were there to buy product. And then people who weren't there for magic were also there to buy product. (laughs) So it was just a fun day of just like, okay. It's all good. I think at the end of the weekend, we had like three collector boxes left, and now we are completely sold out.
1: I bought more yesterday. Oh, sweet. I found, I got seven more.
2: This just in, we'll have seven more.
1: <laughs> well, I think one already sold last night.
2: Never mind.
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, it looks like it's not going to be dying down for this need anytime soon, because no one has come forward saying they have the Wondering yet. Post Malone has not phoned somebody out privately to do it, a money exchange. Uh, to our knowledge. But I will say that on TikTok, I have seen a ton of people faking. Like, oh, yeah. all the time. Every, awesome. yeah.
2: Um, I, I'm very interested to see how long it takes, if it ever shows up. Um, and then there's also the, like, technically, if you would like, there there's a small chance that you could get one in a commander deck. Because there's a tiny little collector booster pack in each of them.
1: Is there really? Yeah, two I cards. I forgot about that.
2: Uh.
1: Oh no.
2: Yeah. So if
1: it's not
0: found by the time those release,
1: well, it could also be in the
2: in the gift gift bundles. edition
1: bundles as well. So the regular bundles we sold out of instantly because everybody wanted the special die and the special land cards that came in the gift or the the bundles this time, but the gift bundles will have that stuff plus one collector's booster.
2: Yep. So it's, we're it's gonna very get, nice. <laughs>
1: so this is what... But it, it turns out that it was just a fun set to play. Regardless yeah. if you were on the hunt for the ring, it was just a fun set to play. And I, I haven't talked to anybody who played in any of the drafts or using the new Commander decks that isn't having a good time with the set.
2: It's true. Um, I've heard that, generally speaking, you know, the art is obviously fantastic. I think the um, iterations of, especially like Aragorn, have been awesome anybody who can argue with me can fight me outside uh but yeah
0: <laughs> she's they're scrappy it's gonna Very. be it's gonna that's be a problem cool.
2: uh but it's it's a fantastic set like i love the art for galadriel i've got the playmat set aside for me later
0: and i mean that's not a personal opinion we're seeing this across the board uh you know as we all wait for the one ring to be announced uh the news junkets for board gaming and gaming in general has been just overwhelmingly possible i I pulled this article from uh, jason coles over at Dicebreaker, but he just goes on and on not even mentioning the the hunt for the one ring but just talking about the mechanics the new amass system um, the fact that some of the art that you were talking about ryan is actually multiple cards yeah so if you play them side by side you actually create kind of a tapestry almost
2: the gift bundle has all of the um, map lands in it which is partially why I have one pre-ordered. So you can actually set them all together so that they make one big map. And I'm like, I'm so excited. Like, There's a little tiny graphic design part of me that's just like, this is such a good idea. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to play around with the Elven Council deck that I picked up, but I'm already considering some fun tweaks just to be like, would everyone like to vote? (laughs)
1: It's a blue deck, I'm guessing. Blue-green. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right. Can I tell you my favorite line from that article? Please do. uh, So Jason writes, the new mechanic is called the ring, although it's usually written as the ring tempts you. This is a reference to the alluring and seductive nature of Sauron's one ring, which is responsible, and here's the part I love, which is responsible for turning Smeagol into Gollum and Frodo into an emo kid. (laughs)
0: That's nice. spot on, yeah. I, I will say I am glad that they went with original art. I'm glad that they, they chose to take their own kind of dash at this because I'm kind of interested also now what the Doctor Who set is going to look like as it comes out, if they're going to have their kind of own interpretations or if they're just going to be pulling directly from, you know, photo stills of the TV show and whatnot. Yeah.
1: The, the the I think they've spoiled like four cards and they're all unique art. That's nice. awesome. They're not photos from the show.
0: I know that there were all of the lands are you know these beautiful scenic areas, and then the little TARDIS is in each and every one. That's actually so, pretty cute. Yeah, I really like that. But uh, going back to the Wondering Deck uh, from that article as well, I didn't realize there was uh, this really cool call, card called the Watcher in the Water, which is the beast that was outside of the door and Lord of the Rings. That you know, as they were Speak trying to friend and enter, exactly. to the Mines
2: of yeah.
0: But it's an incredibly powerful card that it, it kind of. Grows power. It comes in powerful but stunned, and you slowly let it grow yeah. into being a more and more powerful creature so, as it figures out what's going on.
2: I have a couple of cards that are like that, like oh, really? Slumbering Dragon and Ricksmithies. Um, and they're some of my personal favorites because I like to refer to them as nuclear deterrence. <laughs>
0: you put them out there knowing knowing
2: it's like slumbering dragon for instance is like yeah he's asleep right now but if you attack me enough times he's gonna wake up and he's gonna be a freaking 8-8 so how do you want to do this (laughs) how do you want to make me angry Uh, it's a great just like nice slowdown for my my dragon tribal which is definitely not ridiculous Um, no
0: you make a ridiculous
2: deck I, i i don't know what you're talking about ken has called me evil and that's probably it A nice little trophy on my shelf.
1: We can get that burned (laughs) into wood. Evil by Ken. Yep. So one thing before we move on off of this topic, I mean, we're having a lot of fun. I Mm. bought commander decks to play. Yeah. Which is how tempting this series has been as well. And I haven't bought any magic cards for myself since. AFR. No, I didn't buy any for Afr. <gasps> I was going to, and then I just got distracted, and I never did. So
2: see, Afr, I had a lot of fun with because of the mechanics as well. So to me, it's I enjoy when they put the extra effort in. So I'm excited. Afr
1: is adventures in the forgotten realms. Thank you. That's what I was
0: assuming, but I was yes. going to say, you know, for the audience that doesn't know, yeah. yeah,
1: which yeah, and it's very surprising, I'm sure, to everybody that I did not buy a bunch of stuff for that set, but. I don't know why I didn't at the time, but but I couldn't pass up a Lord of the Rings set. Um, but I put out I had to put out a disclaimer or a, a clarification last week because Wizards of the Coast announced a couple of new products for this holiday season, and they are collectors boosters coming out again like a wave to a collectors boosters but they will not contain the one ring, the one of one that we've talked about. Or any of the
2: serialized soul rings.
1: Or any, no serialized cards at all. None of them. So, because they made th- the, the three rings for Elven Kings, there was 300 foil versions and 3,000 non-foil versions. Yeah. Then five rings for, dwar- or seven rings for Dwarven Lords, there was 700 serialized car- foil versions and 7,000 non- and then nine kings for human, nine rings for human kings. There was nine hundred foil land. and nine thousand non-foil. I think and was, those cards have all been going for crazy money online. Yeah.
2: yeah,
0: I think that from what you were telling me, Jamie, a few weeks ago on the podcast, that there's someone not hunting the one ring, but hunting the one of you know three hundred of each ring, or the one of seven hundred of the each one, ring. The one
1: number one of seven hundred for the Dwarven oh, yeah. Lord sold for thirteen thousand.
2: Holy moly.
1: Yeah. And uh, the number two sold for 7,000 of the Dwarven Lords. Um, A friend of mine's got a game store down in Texas, and he had just like 62 or something like that of the Elven Rings, and I think that sold for 2,000 bucks. Um, And of the non foil version, yeah, the non foil version sold for 2,000 bucks. So people are on the hunt for all those serialized numbers. It's crazy, but what the point I was making is they're doing a re-release of the collector's boosters boxes. and, And make sure you look at the front of the packaging because the front of the packaging will tell you in a gold strip on it, this box may contain the one ring, right? So the current collector's boosters, the gift bundles, the things that it could be in, which apparently is probably on the commander decks and I never paid attention, It says this box may contain the one ring on it. The ones coming out in November will get a new, another wave of a lot of the really cool cards, but we won't get any serialized cards in there. And then the other thing that they're releasing that's for the set, too, is they're calling scenic bundles. There's multiple different sets uh, in this series where they took one piece of art and cut it up across like six or i think the big one is what is it five across and three down so 15 cards yeah and it's all one it it makes one big piece of art if you have all 15 pieces of it they're releasing those as bundles so you can just say i want that piece and just buy them all and make sure you get all of them together at one time you get you get the versions of the cards with the wording on it and you get just the art card so you can put the 15 cards together that's fantastic so those will come out later this year too but Just as clarification, if you are really desperate and you're looking for that one ring, pay attention to the front of the box and make sure it says that the one ring is possible to get inside that box.
0: Don't get duped. No. Now, I will say this. With Wizards playing Willy Wonka and realizing just how much of a media storm this is within the gaming community, is this going to be something we're going to start seeing, or can this only be done because this is Lord of the Rings?
2: I... That's a great question. We've seen serialized cards in the past, um, and obviously they've sold for a lot more than their regular versions. Um, Shiv and Dragon is a great example. No one gives a heck about Shiv and Dragon 990% of the time, except for the one time they made a serialized card with special art. Um, I think it matters a lot to hardcore collectors. I don't know that it matters to the regular community outside of a cool, like, wow, um So I think we'll continue to see serialized cards. I don't know if we will ever see another one of one.
1: Interesting. It's yeah, this is something the sports Card world's been doing for a while, right? It's there was a, there's a Netflix show right now. I can't remember the name of it. It's something like the King of Collectors, and it's about an auction house in New Jersey, and I watched the first episode of it the other day and the guy was flying to Drake's mansion to, Drake was going to do a box break of this super limited basketball set where you could get, um, there's a card that has a, the, the NBA logo man, the, the guy dribbling the basketball, the NBA logo guy. Yep. Patch cut out of three different jerseys, LeBron, War one for the cleveland cavaliers one for the miami heat and one for the lakers and there's only one of that card and so these these boxes are like a thousand bucks to open it up and look through this one pack and but if you get that one card that with all three lebron um logos uh, shirt swats on there they're like it could be 20 million dollars wow and so so the sports card world's been kind of dipping their toes into doing this kind of craziness for a few years. And I think that this is Wizards of the Coast trying to figure out how do we get in on some of that action. Yeah. So they were
0: seeing it in something else, and that has now guided them to make this. And I, Yeah. Lord of the Rings is so pervasive. Like, people will even say, well, I'm not a geek or a nerd or anything, but I do love Lord of the Rings. So, I mean, this is, this is kind of getting into some cross-cultural stuff. Yeah, that we don't often see. So I definitely can see
1: where it would be a kind of a more one-shot thing. The Return of the King won twelve Oscars, Mm -hmm. so that's everybody knows about Lord of the Rings from the movies, if nothing else, at this point.
2: Yeah, I definitely watched it before I ever read it, and admittedly, I am quite young, so I. I definitely watched it before I could stomach Tolkien's writing. (laughs) (laughs) You got to mature a little bit before you can get there. Yeah,
0: I will say that Netflix show is King of Collectibles, The Golden Touch, I
1: believe. Okay, there it is. Yeah,
0: I looked that up for you. But ladies and gentlemen, as you know, transitions are something that I take great pride in and often get hung up on how good they are because someone has to compliment my great transitions.
2: (laughs) What a good transition, John.
0: Thank you. Because I'm about to deliver. Especially during Pride Month. I'm about to deliver one of the best transitions, I think I've ever have, because okay. I get to say, and now for something completely different, Monty Python's Flying Circus oh, collides with Zombie so Side. That was so good. It's. I realized oh. it as I was sitting here, like oh. as I was getting ready to cue this up. I was like, how can I make a transition from? I don't have to. It's got one built in. It's, it's fantastic. Right here.
1: It's right
0: there. Uh, going back to Dicebreakers, an article by uh, Alex Meehan. Monty Python's Flying Circus collides with Zombicide in the co-ops game's latest expansion. Now, I want to take a little pride in this. Uh, this is my own thing because Jamie put it out in our team's chat. He's like, hey, something's coming from Zombicide. We should check it out. And it's a picture with some silhouettes in the background. It's a baby carriage and it's got the uh, curtains of a theater. It's a pram. I don't Excuse know. Me. It's, <laughs> I think it's a pram. It's a pram back in, in where it's from. Yes. Yeah. So I look at it and Jamie's like, I don't know what this is, but, you know, might want to put me down for one, put John Parrot down for one. And I said. Probably chance. Yeah. And I I looked at it and I'm like, Monty Python find zombies? And Jamie didn't see it at first and I missed it. I didn't even get it the first time, but there was a little foot just like pointed out from one of the the sides of the curtains. And I don't know why, but I immediately realized that was from the Ministry of Silly Walks. And I looked farther into the background image. And sure enough, there was more of the Ministry of Silly Walk maneuvers mixed in with the zombies. I actually was like trying to look at all of the, I forgot it was zombie related. All of a sudden I just thought it was uh, Monty Python related. I was like, what characters only have like a robotic knee? Like there was a person with just like a very thin leg. And I was like, all right. Zombies. Zombies. <laughs> That's what's there, uh, but yes, they released the actual news just a few days ago. And Ryan, what is your experience with Monty Python? Uh,
2: Monty Python is. I haven't watched a lot of it.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I
2: I am mostly mostly enamored with the um...
1: Holy Grail.
2: Holy Grail. Yes, thank you. It's the Knights Who Say The the, the rabid Rabbit Rabbit all of the, the silliness. sharp pointed teeth. <laughs> oh, yes.
0: My name is Tim. Uh, but yes, so this this is something that Monty Python really was, I think, at the tail end of my generation because my my brother-in-law, who is, you know, maybe a, a decade older than me or so, um, he's the one that kind of introduced me to it and he was really big into it. Jamie, I don't know where you fell with Monty Python
1: it was on PBS every Saturday so you could watch like PBS on Saturdays when I was a kid would flip over to basically like British TV because you could watch that's how I found Doctor. Who mm-hmm. and Monty Python and then old shows too like faulty towers or late night sometimes you'd get Red Dwarf which is. Have you ever seen Red Dwarf? Love Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf Dwarf is crazy. Red Dwarf is a sci-fi show that makes Doctor Who look like it had a really large special effects budget. Yes. Oh.
0: It is Monty Python and Doctor Who put together. In one episode, they have JFK assassinate himself. That is an actual episode (laughs) of Red Dwarf. So, yeah, and PBS still does that now. Masterpiece Theater gives us, you know, gave us Downton Abbey. It gave us the Sherlock movies, which uh, really launched Benedict Cumberbatch's career. Um,
1: yeah, it, it's been fantastic. But when you think... Wait, Benedict Cumberbatch is in Downton Abbey? No, Sherlock. Oh, I thought you said... I thought I...
2: Downton Abbey and then Sherlock. Okay,
1: okay. I, yes. I thought you were saying Benedict Cumberbatch was in Downton Abbey. I'm like, what? <laughs> I... Watch the later seasons. Jamie G's. I I watched season one with Kelly and then I was done. I didn't need any more Downton Abbey after that. So I know it had like five seasons. I only saw season one.
0: You miss the war. You miss the death of the daughter. There's so much that you need to get caught up on. I'm probably never circling back.
2: Much like Pride and Prejudice, I fell asleep halfway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, I don't know. This doesn't have enough swords. Yeah,
1: no. Monty Python was—I'd say Monty Python. The two—the the two things that influenced a lot of my sense of humor in high school were the discovery of Monty Python's Flying Circus, and I don't remember—I don't remember Holy Grail coming out originally, but I do remember when Life of Brian was released, uh, and then we doubled back to go find all the old, st- all the other stuff too. And the other thing was we discovered Cheech and Chong. Yep. <laughs>
0: so That's around that same time period. That yeah, works that out.
1: I, that was my older brother. We found, I found a cassette of his, and we're like, what is this?
0: And I would almost say Cheech and Chong would make more sense in Side than I think Monty Python does. Because <laughs> yeah. Cheech and Chong had some pretty wild adventures. Like, they did some fun stuff, but there's always been this kind of, Side has always wanted an edge. They've always wanted yeah. to be a little bit, but not too far. So, like, the, the term pimp crates is used within the game even in the second edition which i thought would definitely be something that would change in the first and they've made allusions to other things as well like i said i think would make a lot of sense in that kind of context but mon python seems almost too silly to put into this world but at this point
1: well they're all in black plague all of the characters from Monty Python and the Holy Grail are were stretch goal characters you could get from Blacklight. Yeah. Really? I had Including no idea. Tim. Including yeah, Tim and all the knights.
0: Is Tim a necromancer?
1: Or is he a playable character? He's a playable character. Oh, interesting. Okay. He should have been a necromancer.
2: It would have been funnier.
0: So the characters that are coming in this new pack, uh, which is entitled the um, Rather Silly Expansion, is Arthur Nudges, inspired by the character Nudge Nudge Wink Wink Sinemore yep. played by Eric Idle in the Nudge Nudge sketch. Uh, we have the Fish Slapper, played by John Cleese in the Fish Slapping
1: Dance sketch. Wait, before did you realize that the halibut is a weapon? It's a weapon card.
0: I was just getting okay. to that. Yep. Okay. Yes. Yep. Uh, the Lumberjack, originally portrayed by Michael Palin. Lumberjack and I'm okay. From the, the Lumberjack Night. song.
2: There you go, Kelly. You finally
0: got it. <laughs> Terry Jones this. No. <laughs> Terry Jones's Arthur Ewing character found in the musical. My sketch uh, can uh, command his musical mice to assist fellow fellow survivors in killing zombies. And the <laughs> Colonel, a character played by Graham Chapman in multiple sketches can employ his disdain for silliness to force approaching zombies to stop. Oh, excuse me. There is one more. Finally, Terry Gilliam's raw chicken-wielding knight can motivate his fellow survivors by whacking them over the head with said chicken.
2: Clearly his name should well, have been Sir And sure the Silly Walkers. Along.
1: John Cleese says the Silly Walker. Yes. And the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, yes. Because nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition.
0: There will also be new abominations, tougher enemies than the standard zombies, which are probably the Walkers. Uh, and then the abominations apparently are, are the Hell's Grammys, the Grannies. Uh which, if you've not seen that sketch, it is just it is a news article about the blight of grandmothers on the street accosting normal people. the reverse of teenagers being rude during that time period, and it is absolutely hysterical. I love all of this, but and I guess zombie side has been really interesting to me lately because they have been
2: they've been branching out
0: so much, right? We just got the Thundercats yeah. for Black Plague. Uh, they did a whole run with the, the Batman. The Dark, Metal Batman. The Metal yeah. Knights. Yeah, that was really big.
2: Um, the next one coming out has some of the Romance of the Three Kingdom characters.
0: Oh, right. I, the, new, the Which I was
2: not expecting. And then I was just like, do I have to buy an entire Kickstarter so I can have a bunch of minis to say that I'm a freaking nerd? I
0: think so. Probably. I think that's kind of your status right now isn't it like that's why you're here but
2: then i also have to pay someone to paint them because i don't like painting minis
0: (sighs) if only you knew if only you knew a store of like people that love to paint minis and would help you with that
2: it's true i think if i asked uh asked michael jess's husband uh he he would look at me and be like no
0: i guess the the thing about this that
2: He's, he's painting my Bellacor, which is the only reason why I'm like, uh, I don't think he'll he'll see this. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some
0: other projects he's working on. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that really strikes me about this is that this literally now opens up a whole new world of what we're putting in, and this is what I call would like to call the the Hero clicks model, because I feel like anything can go into Hero clicks at this point. We've had. Yeah. Star Trek hero clicks. We've had Orville, a spin-off of Star Wars hero clicks. If you told me that there was a Seinfeld or a Frasier hero clicks, I would not argue with that. They're already doing memes based out of comic books. There's hero clicks of the Spider Men pointing at each other, the or Iconics. the yes, the the Wolverine looking longingly at a photo frame. Like we have seen hero clicks go far and wide to pull in things. There was turtles hero clicks. There, there was, were teenage mutant turtles. There, there was Scooby Doo. There was yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh the Hero Clicks.
1: Yeah, there was. Uh, it was the Batman Scooby-Doo do. team up. That's fantastic. Yeah. So was- I have. Um, I don't collect Hero Clicks, but I do have the Ultimate Shaggy. Nice. They made an Ultimate Shaggy box.
0: I don't collect them, but whenever they brought in the animated Justice League series ones, I have a few boxes of those because yeah. those were incredible. Um, but now that we're introducing something like this to Zombie Side, I feel like. Really, this guy's the limit at this point. You,
2: yeah.
1: Oh, you know what I
0: want now. Tell me.
1: Scooby-Doo Zombicide.
0: Right? That's what I'm thinking. That would
1: be really cool. I mean, you could have the gang as the playable characters in there, and you've got an entire cast of all the big bad guys. Could be all of them with various abominations, like the witch or the uh, minor 49er, all those different... Those are the, your, your abominations right there. Or maybe some of them are uh, just regular zombies as they go along, but I think you could have a lot of fun with that one.
2: Yeah, you've got an entire roster of just classical villains, and then you can get into like even the newer stuff. And it's not as if they've already made a zombie movie for Scooby-Doo that we could just go for. It
1: might be called <laughs> Scooby-Doo Zombies. <laughs> yeah. Zombie well, Island. Oh, yeah, Zombie Island. There's, but,
2: Terrified yeah. me as a child.
1: There is... There's a couple of Scooby, uh, zombicide packs that we didn't mention too. There's the Ghostbusters pack. Oh, that's right. And yep. still upcoming is the Supernatural pack.
0: Yes, the Winchesters are coming in with yeah. Bobby I along the ways. That. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's Yeah, you, you're right. We you, you can go anywhere now. Yeah. Oh, they hinted at what was that Dave Batista zombie movie that just came like like Army of the Dead or yes, something like that? Yes, where they had to go
0: back into like Vegas. They
1: teased, to- at that, so they teased that already. So I think that's coming too. That's fantastic,
0: but I, you know, now that I say it, I could see a Seinfeld pack for Zombie Side. Is uh,
1: it a, a game about nothing?
0: It's a game about nothing. Like <laughs> it's George, Elaine, Kramer, and uh, Jerry all trying to escape zombies, some abominations. I mean, you could get uh, the Soup Nazi, uh, which I don't know. Do we still use that? Is that a term that we can use for for that character now?
2: I I don't it's, watch in Seinfeld. The credits. So. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Um, but there's just so many good villains that you can make into abominations there. But if if we're looking at at this, what else is there? So this is gonna be my all call. Uh, if you want to write in your ideas for what zombie side characters should be now that we've opened up the world to Monty Python Zombie Side, please do. You can also jump on the Discord, where actually we have a full uh, channel devoted just to the podcast. And I've been able to talk to a few people there and just
1: it's been really clarity, nice. we absolutely already pre ordered Monty Python's on the side, so we are getting it at the store. Yes. Also, and correct me if I'm wrong,
2: pills. if we still have pre orders open for White Death. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Which is the new the new Black Plague with the Romans of the Three Kingdoms era. Yeah, Black Plague and season three. Yeah.
0: That's gonna have a ton of goodies. And I think we still have They're one.
2: Beautiful. Yeah. And Lu in it. And no one knows what I'm talking about. Dynasty
0: Warriors. Lu yeah. Boo! Yeah. Uh, Lu He's terrifying. No he is, it, it's like the
1: Galactus of the Three Kingdoms. Marvel Zombies, Galactus is on its way
2: too. Back in, back in the fourth game, if he would challenge you to a duel, you would transport it to its own special location, and the goal was to survive, not to beat him. Yep.
0: <laughs> you can't ride his horse until much later in the game. Like If yeah. you ever try and ride this man's horse, he's so powerful, even his horse is powerful. This and it's Lou bigger Boo.
2: than everybody else's horse, which automatically makes it cooler.
0: <laughs> Ryan, I feel like you and I are closer after today, now yes. that Lou Boo has brought us together. Um, but yeah, so write in uh, to the podcast at uh, info at redraccoongames.com. Uh, if you put podcast in the subject line, that really helps us out. Also come to the Discord. We do have a Red Raccoon Discord. Uh, Jessica does a great job of managing that. We have a channel just for the podcast. You can throw it in there. And I promise if anyone has ideas that I can say out loud... You'll hear them tomorrow, uh, next week, or two weeks <laughs> from now. Say it out loud. I gotta, I gotta give that preface right there. Now we've had some fun, we've had some games. Let's talk about something a little bit more serious. Something that we've all had of some us fun games. Well, yeah, all of us had a uh, discussion about even before this podcast started because the confusion level of all of this is insane. But we're going to talk about the TSR filing for bankruptcy and how that has affected. A very interesting winding road for the TSR brand.
2: To, to clarify, the third TSR. The third not TSR. Not the first or second.
0: So, Jamie, as our lore master of all things D&D, can you give us a little brief? Like, TSR was the proto-creators of Dungeons & Dragons, correct?
1: Yes. So TSR was the original company founded by Pardon? Gary Gygax yeah. that published um, Chainmail... And then chainmail became Dungeons and Dragons and advanced Dungeons and Dragons and everything we've known since then. And there's a really couple really interesting documentaries you can watch about TSR and the early days of TSR and Gary Gygax's life. And, uh, but the, the gist of it is, is that TSR almost filed for bankruptcy and went under, which would have been the end of D and D as we know it. However, the original TSR was then bought by Wizards of the Coast and then Wizards of the Coast, of course later became um, purchased Hasbro. by Hasbro, Hasbro right Yes.
2: A decision we have all loved and respected since.
0: It was made only good decisions and nothing that they regret, but it did give us a pretty awesome movie.
1: Mm. Yeah, very true. And somewhere along the way, Hasbro or Wizards of the Coast, forgot to refile for their trademark for TSR. Whoops. Oops. Uh, Roughly 2004. And so in 2011, a new company popped up called TSR. Uh, And two of the people behind that were Ernie and Luke Gygax, uh, Gary Gygax's sons. and so I didn't even realize there had been two new... So that was a 2011 TSR. Uh-huh. That TSR was trying to put the, put the band back together with some of the original creators and artists who were behind the original Dungeons and & Dragons, and they were trying to pull everything back together. And then from what, we've, what we know is Ernie Gygax said some stuff that was not good. Yes. Right. And there were, um, yeah, he kind of went on a rant on a, a, a YouTube video or he was on a podcast or somebody and he said some stuff that basically made everybody go, we want nothing to do with him. And they all scattered to the wind. And he apologized and stuff for it later. But that was the end of the second TSR. I didn't realize I knew that story. I knew about that story. I didn't realize there was another TSR that started in 2021. And that's the one that the article about today is about.
0: Yes. And so you can find this article from Christian Hoffer at comicbook.com. TSR files for bankruptcy, putting wizards on the coast, lawsuits for hold on hold. Because what we found out from this article is that Ernie Gygax uh, teamed up with, uh, let's see, what's his first name? A guy, Justin last name something. Is it Justin Lanasa? Yes, yeah. Jason Lanasa. Jason Lanasa. Uh, Jason Lanasa, who is a not only a tattoo parlor owner, but I believe also is the owner of the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum, which is located in Lake Geneva. It's in the same building that Gary Gygax uh, was, you know, coming up with chainmail and all of that. I've gotten to actually visit that location. Uh, it's a small little building, but they have some really nice items there, uh, from like kind of geek history. Definitely nothing that is current D and D. They don't have any of that. Um, but it is kind of a interesting geek memorial as it were. Yeah. Uh, so they got together. They then had a Kickstarter to try and raise enough money to sue for the TSR logo.
1: Uh, well, because Wizards of the Coast was just saying, hey, sorry, we forgot to file the paperwork. Oops, our bad. But, you know, everybody knows it's our trademark. Of course it's our trademark, right? Everybody knows. And- Which became
0: doubly problematic in the fact they didn't necessarily claim it because as some of the playtest materials came out for this new TSR's venture into Star Frontier's new Genesis was the name of the game, uh, there were some concerning things. And so Wizards of the Coast countersued. Because of it, because of the worry of defamation of the brand,
1: uh, apparently well, the black characters had a maximum intelligence of nine, whereas white Viking characters could have a much higher intelligence. Maybe
2: things like Ooh, that that wow. might be problematic. You know what? I I am I you- am solidified in my belief that it was in fact more explicit racism. <laughs>
0: Uh, weirdly, we are fully on board with Wizards of the Coast right now. Normally it's a very shaky alliance, but yeah, okay. Yeah, sue them.
2: Absolutely. Get them.
0: <laughs> so uh, this has been become kind of a, a long and drawn out process of this lawsuit going kind of back and forth. But with the news that this TSR has now having to file for bankruptcy, um, that lawsuit is kind of going to be put on hold. Which kind of is a story unto itself. I don't think we need to get into the legality of all of that. I think that it's important news to know that, you know, people, as, as the tabletop community is trying to make progress into openness and community building and all of those things, that uh, seeing these type of things being stopped is great. We could talk a long time about that. Yeah. But I brought up a question in our, in our group before we started the podcast that I thought was kind of interesting And then Ryan kind of added on to it, so I kind of want to recreate that. And the question was, I I firmly believe that, yes, we we need to definitely look at how we approach different races, different characters, how we look at that. I believe a lot in some of the changes that have been made to Dungeons Dragons about... You know, not necessarily worrying about alignment as much because people are complex characters. They don't just fit into, you know, these two realms and things along those lines. Drow not necessarily having to be evil. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, one of the greatest stories we have is Drisodin, who is a non-evil drow.
2: Dwarden. Hmm? Dwarden.
0: Sure, that too. (laughs) And I, I, I believe in these things. But as we talked a little bit earlier, you know, we were, some topics are becoming very much taboo as they should be. But at the same time, when we look at the bad guys of these stories that we're trying to create, what is kind of allowed now? To what is what is the line for how bad you can be before it becomes something that we shouldn't be talking about?
2: Yeah. So I don't think there's a line. That's my belief. I I'm also in that category. I I think that bad guys should be bad and sometimes the world isn't organized enough to go fight them and a lot of the criticism of the last couple of modules has been that Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons as like a world and in Faerun there are lots and lots of powerful good entities that can just go stop them. Because we have the
0: the Harpers which was featured heavily within the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah. Force Grey. Force Grey.
2: The funniest part about the Harpers in in Faerun history is that they have mostly been an incredibly disorganized and underwhelming organization, <laughs> um, which created a need for adventurers. And part of the problem is that if somebody is already powerful enough to stop them, why are you going? Um, and that's not
1: just D&D either, right? No. The Pathfinder Society in, in Absalom, it does the exact same thing. Yeah. We have this organization, we're sending out a bunch of people to stop whoever's the bad is the, the big bad guys are.
2: So what we had talked about before was... Well, what if we had a, had a rating system? Like, I know a lot of online DMs have a general, like, this is our lines and veils and stuff. But what if we had, like, here's the setting and here's the rating. Like, if you want to go over in super wholesome land and role play with your farm animals and stuff, you could do that.
0: Let's play some Magical Kitties. That's like TVY7.
2: Yeah. Or we can go to Ariel's Faerun, where everything from fourth edition absolutely happened. And we're gonna get into the deep and dirty stuff. Rated R. Yeah. C seventeen probably.
1: Yeah, yes, we'll see. N-C-17. We'll see. Extreme <laughs> it's violence, good. extreme cursing, extreme murder, death, kill.
2: You know, there is a possibility for things to be incredibly dark and there's still being like rays of hope. And I think that is an important story to tell as well. Um I think the idea of, in, in essence, washing everything with bleach, it's not necessarily the way to create an interesting narrative. Um, but
1: well, I think it's a little bit like, so in our real history, we have had individuals of every ethnicity, every religion, every society who have been bad people
2: very bad yes.
1: right and so why should a fantasy world necessarily be in, in a different now that's completely different from saying all drow are inherently evil yes right all, yep. all or in the case of the, the the article um and i actually i have a clarification from the article the black race had a maximum intelligence of nine the white race had a minimum intelligence of 13. Oh, dear. Yeah, so it's even worse, right? So, things like that. Because
2: the Barbarian couldn't exist in that world.
1: Things like that, obviously, bad, right? Where We're we're blanketing an entire group of people as this is how they function, this is how they are, because of their race, because of their existence, but...
2: I think there's nu- still room
1: for bad guys to do bad yeah. things and and good guys to want to go in and stop the bad guys from doing bad things.
2: I think the lack of nuance in either direction is an incredibly inherently destroying process.
1: And all good guys are not necessarily always good guys either. Yeah. A lot of good guys in our real history have been Serious questionable. Flaws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah been questionable on decisions they made before they became the good guy or maybe even after they were the good guy they did good things in this one event in this one series of things but other stuff is pretty questionable and dicey right yeah even, even if you look at the American founding fathers and some bad decisions were made yep
2: on that subject though I think it creates an interesting like parallel we are essentially destroying Faun's like nuance the same way that the American education system destroys the nuance of our founding fathers. Ooh, I see. That is
0: accurate. Yeah. That is a good analogy. And I, I think that as, as you progress in being a person, you recognize that villainy is not as simple as it was in cartoons. Cartoons are great. Like, I, I grew up on Transformers. Decepticons wanted to do bad things. They wanted to destroy the environment. They wanted to steal from people. They wanted to hurt people. Yeah, all of these things were great lessons for me growing up. But I feel like one of the advantages of an RPG is being able to explore like what villainy is and how you define it. And
2: I, I'm going to be a quick weeb real fast. Please. But if you've never watched the movie Princess Mononoke, oh, an excellent example. It isn't. An- Absolutely fantastic example of how things are complicated. Not everybody is evil. And you can have a narrative where nobody is actually the bad guy. But everybody has their own goals. Lady Eboshi is one of my personal favorite antagonists because she's out here buying up the contracts of all these brothel girls and getting them new jobs, taking them to a safe new place where they can have husbands and they can have lives and they can have like actual, you know, like, freedom and reasons to exist. She is also sort of the bad guy. Yeah. um, Because she's clearing out the forest, so she can build her, her new city, and all the forest spirits are really not happy with that. And that becomes sort of the, like, central plot. But it doesn't mean that Lady Eboshi is super evil. Exactly. She has her own reasons for doing things, and I think it's important to remember that, like, that's how... Ideally, my favorite fantasy worlds get to be. Everybody has pluses and minuses, and terrible, horrible things exist, and sometimes somebody needs to step up.
0: I think it was Katie who uh, once really put a thought into my head. Katie, one of our staff members here at Red Raccoon, she's been on the podcast before. Uh, She was coming up with this concept of, what if mind flayers is a slur? What if that's not really what they are, but they've just been kind of...
2: Technically, that's correct.
0: Yeah. What if, they, what if you approach it from that angle? And this is the beauty of D&D, because in some worlds, it, that is a term that is just used for them because they are n- notoriously...
2: Because they're brain eaters. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Usually not voluntary. Like, they don't take volunteers. They take just brains. But at the same time, in her world, it can be completely different. And this is what I absolutely love about the role playing and the world building that can go on between people is that when you look at Ill- evil and villainy, you can
2: illithid. Illithid. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, you can look at. I, I was meaning evil, but. Um...
2: I know, but like.
0: Oh yes, I see what you're saying. Yes, Illithids that is. Are mind that is the name of their race, actually. The ability to to redesign what villainy means for your campaign. Is, I think, one of the strongest things. And Jamie and I have talked about this on the podcast before. Whatever Wizards of the Coast tells you, whatever is inside the books that they put out.
2: You can change it.
0: Yeah. It's not on you to necessarily hold on to that. But at the same time, I think that what Wizards of the Coast is, is kind of aiming towards now is that they want to help build better worlds for you. They're not necessarily looking to build a whole campaign for you unless it's in one of you know the campaign books that they're really structuring and, and really taking a look at now and yeah. actually have we gotten one of those recently i feel like
2: we haven't yeah so the latest book that we got was keys the golden vault um which was an anthology of heists which you can throw into whatever you want basically um as far as campaign books are concerned correctly if i'm wrong it was dragon lance but that's not in favor
1: the most recent one that was in Faerun was um, the Fairies one. What was the name of the one where
2: you went, went uh, in beyond the witchlight? Beyond the witchlight. But that that doesn't take place in Faerun most of the time. It takes place in the uh, the Fey. Fey. Yes.
1: Yeah. I was actually. It was a really good question, John. You were. I was going back through my brain, trying to remember, like, okay, when was the last campaign where there was a full campaign? Because Candlekeep Adventures is again an anthology, series, anthology. An anthology of a bunch of adventures that are written, um, and then we had multiple different books that add player classes and things of that nature, like uh, Morden Kanan's Multiverse Monsters and Tasha's and.
2: I guess. No, because Spelljammer is out there, too.
1: Spelljammer can be in Faerun, but it's in and everywhere else. You're right. Hi, everyone. Sorry for the abrupt ending that this
0: episode is coming to, but we had a bit of technical difficulties at the very end. Don't worry, you didn't miss too much. Uh, I will say thank you for listening to us today, and if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with us, Come and find us at RedRaccoonGames.com, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois, where we are in our new location, in case you haven't figured that out from us talking about it constantly. Uh, I would like to go ahead and take the time to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music. And you can feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, by hopping on our Discord and joining the new podcast discussion channel, or you can actually come right to the source by emailing us at info at If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout out on the show. But until next time, keep playing.